that's what Pastor Neil would want. He would want that. And I think that that is so appropriate for you to do that. And everything was so fine yesterday. The food was awesome yesterday and everything. It's good. I want to say, uh, but you honor him. The music, the presentations, everything was awesome. I really enjoyed Brother Henson. His uh, eulogy was awesome and uh, very appropriate. And uh, I told him afterwards, I said, man, that was really awesome. I got to use that. But, uh, but that was really awesome. It really was. And, um, you know, Pastor Neal has a lot of great friends. Some could not be there yesterday. I want you to understand that. Some could not be there for other reasons. And, uh, but I want you to know he is dearly loved. And it means a lot that we continue on. Somebody say continue on. Continue. That we continue on. And uh, the, the, the mantle has been passed over to us. We must move forward. But uh, I'm so glad Sister Neal, I love Sister Neal, amen, the mother of the church, and uh, she gave birth. And give her a hand, Sister Neal, I'll be ready to honor her. And um, I just appreciate Sister Neal, her love for people and the work of the Lord. And just continue to pray for her as time moves forward. She will just need your prayers more than ever before. And just continue to love her. I think it's very important that we learn to rally around uh, our loved ones and each other. And, um, but um, it's, yes, it's, it is a time of transition, a time of transition for all of us in our lives. And, but God specializes in transition. There's something about transition. You know, I, I was doing a latest conference. My wife is flying in this afternoon. She'll be here around 1.30. We had a latest conference, and the theme of our latest conference this year was a new chapter, Journey On. And, um, and I do believe that there are transition in all of our lives for whatever reason, sometimes job change, sometimes relocation, and it can be many things in our life that brings transition. Some that we want, some we don't want. But God knows exactly what he's doing. Anybody believe that this morning? God knows. And I think that's what we have to understand, that God knows all things, that God governs in the affairs of men, that God's purpose is greater than your purpose and my purpose. We must understand that, that God sees all things. I must say all things. He sees all things and he knows all things. Nothing catch God by surprise. Did you hear me? Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing. He is superior. He is, he's an awesome God. And understand that God controls all the elements, the wind, the rain, the storm. He controls all things. And this is where we learn to have our faith in God. Our faith and our confidence has to be in the Lord. And, you know, and uh, thank God for all the things that have been instilled in our hearts and our minds. It's kind of like if you ever you know, raise children or you know, when you raise children, and one of the greatest, one of the hardest things to do is to let them go. Really, to let kids go. If you have a 16-year-old, 18-year-old, and they go off to college, and they go somewhere, and told her the story of the day that there was a young man, his mom and dad wanted him to go to college, and so what they did was they traveled, went to college with him, got, got a hotel for one week, for one month, <laughs> in the college town, you know, just to, just to make sure he's okay. And finally, they had to release this man. You know, let him go. Somebody said, let him go. He had to let him go. And, and sometimes as a parent, it's very hard to let your children go. But what you hope is, everything you've taught them, everything you've invested in them, will be instilled in them and they will live it out. Am I making sense? As a parent, you can't always be there for your children. You can't, you know, you're not at school every day. You're not in college with them every day, even when they get grown. And one thing I learned, I have two grown sons, 31 and 25, and one thing I learned is that when they were kids, you know, I was their manager. I managed what they put on, what they did, you know, where they went. Now they're grown, I'm not a manager anymore, I'm a consultant. <laughs> I can only recommend stuff. And you hope they listen. And that's the way it is today. Everything that Pastor Neil has instilled in us, there has been no greater Bible teacher than Pastor Neil. No greater Bible teacher than Pastor Neil, really. You guys have had some tremendous teaching. Um, 
I've never met a man who could write a book on a napkin in 10 minutes. Never, never, never found a man like that. We'd be sitting, we'd be going on a cruise together, and he'd be sitting there, and he'd just tell me all those thoughts, and he'd just, like he's just zooming by, zooming by my mind. I can't comprehend, you know. I mean, as smart as he is. And, uh, and, and you, know, you guys are really blessed, I want you to realize that, to have a tremendous, and now it's time for you to live out everything that's been taught in your life. You know, it came a point in time, and, and even in Israel life, a stage of transition, and you heard me talk about it before, and how they crossed over to Jordan, and that, you know, that it was a new leader, his name was Joshua. And not that Joshua was brand new of anything, but Joshua, number one, he had, he had experienced, you know, you know, the other going into the going into the promised land earlier in the 40 years prior to that, him and Caleb, and they saw all the enemies, and he was always at Moses' side, even when Moses went up to the mountain to to uh, get the Ten Commandments. He's he was at the foot of the hill, or the foot of the mountain, and he was always there. And there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, sometimes you sometimes you don't put in practice the things until you're out there on your own. And finally, Joshua understood what it really means to be a leader, to lead Israel through transition. And, and you got to realize there was a lot of transition during that time because the Jordan River has overflowed its banks. you got to understand that they were going to a wall city and, uh, of Jericho and going to Beth Horn and Ai and all those different places there. And this was a really great challenge. But God saw Israel through. Did you hear me? And... And God will take us to the promised land. And Moses never did see everything. He only saw it from afar off. And what faith is really all about, faith is really about bringing the future into the present. Did you hear me? It's about bringing the future into the present. You call those things that's not as what? Though they were. And so the greater days are here. Look at someone and tell them, greater days ahead. You hadn't seen all that God is going to do. I'm very serious. That my future is greater than my past. Did you hear me? My future is greater than my past. And what you have to understand that because God did something one way once upon a time, doesn't mean he do it the same way the same time next time. Look at someone and say, God is up to something. God is really up to something. And sometimes God blows our mind because we, we can't really comprehend everything that God has for us. If, if you could comprehend everything that God has for you, you couldn't contain it. You know, and, and because you don't, you, don't, you don't have the capacity to receive everything that God has for you. So what God does, he, he, he releases a little bit at a time. It's kind of like an antibiotic. There's some antibiotics, it doesn't all of a sudden just release, it release it a little bit at a time. So it can work in your life. That's what God does. He, he realized some things we cannot handle. Here's the story. We're not, we're not, we're not there yet. Look at someone and say, we're not there yet. And God realized he got to release some things a little bit at a time so we can grab hold to it. And when we learn that, you know, to learn to trust God, that God is in charge of everything in my life. And we learn to trust him even though we don't understand him. One of the key elements of learning about walking with God, somebody said obedience. obedience. I've already started preaching. You don't even know yet. You know? I, I will read a scripture, okay? I'll help some of you all out. But obedience is the key to unlocking the things of God. Obedience is better than sacrifice any day. Obedience. I'm going to say obedience. Oh, submitting to God's planning will in our lives. And many times we know we want to do things, but we, God said, I want you, I want you to obey him. We need to obey God. And, and sometimes we, you know, we want to you know, do what we, what we want to do, but in actuality, if we learn to obey him, I was reading in Psalms chapter 1 this morning. I started reading the book of Psalms, I mean Proverbs. And I want to encourage you to start reading the Bible more. And he talks about wisdom. He said, to, you know, he said, uh, he was talking about, you know, to honor your father. He talks about, you know, wisdom. He gives wisdom as a woman, understanding wisdom and having understanding and, and uh, wisdom. It takes that. If God's going to work in our lives, it takes the, the wisdom of God. 
I do believe that. And I believe that God is up to something greater in your life. When we, when we feel like we have come to the end of our rope, this is when God really kicks in. He really does. He kicks in. And can you imagine sometimes, you know, you know sometimes we travel through life and feel like, you know, you know, we've all had some very challenging times. We all had some time we've been offended. We've all had times of, you know, sorrow. All had times of, you know, and, and that's what really grows us, helps us to grow and develop in our life is those difficult times. But the key is overcoming. Here's the story. Every time you overcome a difficult situation, you, get, you, 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 have, you, you develop deeper roots. Did you hear me? Every time you overcome a difficult situation in your life, what some people do, they, 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 they can't overcome it, so they, they lag behind and they never move forward in life because they haven't, they, they've been offended by somebody or, and they had never got over the offense. And so what they do is that instead of them gaining deeper roots, they just come more, sh more shadow and shadow in their lives. So what God wants us to do in his whole scenario is forcing all of us to dig deeper. Someone say dig deeper. Get to learn how to dig deeper in your spiritual life. You know, remember this principle. What brought you to where you are now cannot take it to where you got to go. Let it sink in for a minute. I know, I know, I know. Okay, let it sink in for a minute. But you understand. What brought you to where you are presently, your prayer, your worship, your giving, all those things, what brought you to where you are now cannot take you to where you got to go now, more, next time. You know why? It's going to cause for more. Somebody say more. You've got to understand that sometimes God wants us to dig deeper. Deeper. It's like anybody, anybody work in construction work. You've got to put footings in the ground. You've got to develop those footings. And you, you need deep and you pour concrete and you put rebar in there. That's, that's, that's to strengthen the foundation. Now, we have, we, have, we have built a tremendous foundation here in all three churches. Now it's time to build. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to build. Time to build. Time to build. Foundation's already been laid. We're not going back to the foundation anymore. Somebody said, we're moving forward. Somebody clap here, we're moving forward. And, uh, Pastor, y'all mind sitting down here? I'm going to come down here and talk, if you wouldn't mind. I feel like I want to, I'm not, I'm going to preach and teach and talk a little bit and all three. That's okay with you? I want to come down here and uh, uh, I really feel like I'm in the will of God today and thank you for uh, listening to me. Um, I want to go to 1 John chapter 3. I want to make some of you feel comfortable so I can read the scripture. 1 John chapter 3. Okay. Because y'all think I wasn't preaching. I thought I was just talking. I love this church. I love, I love being here. I really feel, I'm going to say something. I feel like God's connected me with Pastor Neil for a purpose. I really feel I'm in the will of God being here. And I feel like God wants to help, want me to help as much as I can. Okay? And, you know, one thing I learned in transition, you know, is that, um, yes, we want to, Yes, we want to deal with the familiar, but as we walk in faith, God has a lot of great things in store. In First John's chapter three, Jesus, I mean, John writes something about brethren, and I want us to read verse thirteen to get verse thirteen down to um, verses twenty-one. This is very important that we read this. I want us to read it together. Let's read. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you, you know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brothers abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer abiding in him. Hereby receiving the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our life for our brethren. Be, whoso has the wor world good seeth his brother has need and shut up his bowels and compassion for him how dwelleth the love of God in him my little children let us not love in the word neither in tongue but in deed and in truth 
and hereby we know that we are the true church. What? Our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us, then we have what? Confidence toward God. I want to preach something to you today. That title is, I Love My Church. I love my church. Look at your neighbor and say, I love my church. No, look at somebody. You didn't look at anybody. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, I love my church. Now clap your hands to the Lord. You know, many times we, we, we use that phrase so loosely, love. And we know that love has many, many, uh, in the Greek word, means three different things. We understand that. But, you know, there's something about loving your church. And we, we use that word love very loose. I love fried chicken. I love, you know, I love Denny's and all this other stuff. But we're talking about the agape type of love. And we hear a story. You heard me say many times that I love uh, my church is a praying church. My church is a generous church. My church is, my church is a caring church. And I said, while those statements, those statements are probably true, the underlying reality is in order for a church to be a praying church, in order for a church to be a giving church, the individual members must be prayerful. A church is a sum total of its members. Did you hear me? The church cannot be what you're not. The church cannot be what you're not. When we talk about I love my church, you know, the, the Lord talks about love and he talks about um, do, do we love a church? Do we love our mission? Do we love our vision? Um, do we participate in church? Or we engage in church? You know, there's something about a family. If you have a family, you know, you anybody have brothers and sisters in your life? Anybody brothers and sisters? You know, when you have brothers and sisters, you're raising a family. And there are times in every family that you don't get along. There's times in family that, you know, even husbands and wives don't get along all the time. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that's, you know, and, but here's the story behind that. The story is just, you got two people trying to become one. That's the bottom line. And, and sometimes it can be very challenging because you, you're working through issues. You're working through things in your life. And that's just part of maturity in your life. You're trying to mature as an individual. You're, and it takes maturity and growth in your life to, to overcome situations and circumstances in your life. So when you say, I love my church, that means I love the mission of my church. I love, I love the people of the church. I, love, I, I participate. I am engaged. I am involved. And I learn to serve. I like what John said. He said, don't just love in, deed and, and, and in words only. He said, don't love just in words only. Don't say, well, I love you. You don't really mean it. But he says, you know, love indeed also. You know how you love your church? By showing up and being present. You know, people talk about they love the church, you know, and I never see them. They don't give to anything. They don't support anything. You know, they don't involve in anything, but but we are the church. You know? And how you show your value to our, to your church is by being engaged and being involved and participating. Right. Somebody say amen. 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 The question is, how do you feel about your church? How do you feel about your church? To me, that's important. It's important to know how you really feel about the people of the church. The church is not a building. Thank God for a building. We, we meet here and thank God for a place to meet. And we, but the church is really people. It's, it's people of like precious faith who believe in the same values and principle of God. That's what the church is all about. The church is called the ecclesia, the called out ones. And, and he said, upon this rock, I will build my what? Church. And then he said, the gates of hell shall not what? Prevail against the church. He said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You understand that the church will prevail. I'm sorry. The church has been through too much. It has survived. It will always float. 
you know, you look at Noah in the scriptures, and Noah, you know, he built an ark, and the ark represents the, you know, the church in actuality, and, and, the, and the ark didn't, didn't sink during the flood. It rose above the stink. It rose above the debris, and the church always rises above everything else. The question is not whether there be a church. The question is, will you be a part of the church? If you decide to walk out today, there will still be a church. It's not predicated on you. But God wants you to be a part of the bigger picture. He wants you to be a part. He, that's why you're here today, because he wants you to be engaged. He wants you involved. But if I myself backslide, there will still be a church in Atlanta. God's ain't riding on Alonzo. He's not riding on you. God's going to have a church. Before you even came into church, there was a church. Somebody clap your hands. And the church always rises above. Even when the flood came, you know, when the flood came in and destroyed everything. Somebody say everything. It destroyed everything. But here's the story. What the water did, it lifted the, it lifted the boat. When trouble comes, it lifts the church to a higher dimension, a higher depth. That's what it does. Not if there'll be trouble, but when trouble does come, trouble will come your way. It will come. But it always, you know, Noah, you know, he was inside the boat, and man, it really stinks. Can you imagine all those animals in there? Man, God knows. But I'd rather be in the stink than out there drowning. No, listen to me, the church isn't perfect. Right. I blew some of your mind, I'm sorry. There is no perfect church. If you go to the perfect church, as soon as you get there, you mess it up. I said, you mess it up. Because you're not perfect. The church is made of people of all flaws, all type of flaws, all type of issues. And some have more difficult times than others. And some are trying to overcome more things. And the church is really a spiritual hospital. It's a place where people can be healed and people who've been, who've been wounded. And we've all been offended. We've all been wounded once upon a time. And learn to overcome the offense in your life. The Bible says offenses shall come. And we have to learn how to overcome that. I've been teaching in my church for the last several weeks uh, about offenses and how to overcome offenses in your life. And when you've been offended by a brother or a sister, how to overcome that. The first thing we want to do is take our marbles and go home. You know, I ain't got to tolerate all this. I ain't got to do all this. And God is, funny. God is trying to get you to establish deeper roots. Every time you overcome an offense in your life, you establish deeper roots in your life. So the next wind that blows won't blow you over. Some people, as soon as the wind started blowing in the church, they just, they're gone. <laughs> It's out. They they gone. They had no deep root. Remember the Bible talks about it. He talks about the sowing the seed in Mark chapter four. He said some fell on stony ground. Some were, and he talks about all, all different grounds there, you know. And and as soon as as soon as as soon as persecution comes, they just just kind of leave, scatter, you know. You know it takes real Christians, amen, real people of God to build a church. Someone said to build a church. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we learn to love the church. We learn to love the church by them being present. Somebody said being present. We love, and don't say you love the church and you never show up. I am preaching and teaching and counseling and everything else at the same time. Somebody say, I love my church. Let me ask you a question. Why do you love your church? That's a powerful question. Why are you here? Why are you here? The church is bigger than you. God's mission is bigger than you. Understand that. God has a plan. God is not lost nor is he confused. The question is, will you be a part of the plan? 
mentioned to you earlier, whether I'm there or not in Atlanta, there will be a church. But God desired for us to be a part of his plan. Every one of us in here in this building today, God has a plan for your life. And maybe we messed up somewhere, maybe we took a detour and we got off course because of things of sin or things in our lives. I mean, make the wrong, wrong decisions. But here's the story. We can get back on track. Somebody say, get yeah, back on track. Exactly. We can get back on Good. track. Amen. Women who committed adultery, Jesus came to her, and everybody else wanted to stone her. And Jesus said, you know what? He came out, and he came out, and he started writing on the sand, you know, and all of a sudden, this, and everybody started, he started, he was up saying, cast the first stone, and everybody started walking away. None of us are perfect in here. None of us are perfect. We all have flaws. Some we can see, some we can't see. That makes up the church. And you got to understand that everybody's on the same plane or same level here. Jesus had, Jesus had several different levels of people he ministered to. Number one, remember Jesus, remember the 500 who saw Jesus ascend to heaven? Then he had the 70 he sent out for to do, do miracles and signs and wonders. Then he had the 12 disciples. Then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. Then he had the, someone said the one. Someone said the one. One. That was John. And he had different circles. But his, at the end of the day, you notice when Jesus was persecuted and he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and when he was, in, when he was, in, he was you know, noticing when he was with the 12 disciples, he went to the, uh, to the room and he washed their feet. And he, he, he served. I'm going to say he served. You know, really, spiritual maturity, when you serve, it is an it is indication of spiritual maturity. Okay? Jesus, everybody was in the room talking, you know, who's greater among you? Who, you know, I'm greater than you, and I can do this and do that. And Jesus walked in, didn't say a word. He just walked in and took a towel and girded himself with the towel and, and began to wash the disciples' feet. He said, as I've done unto you, do likewise. Learn to wash each other's feet. Somebody, learned, somebody said, learn to serve each other. Learn to serve each other. Am I preaching? I'm just talking. Yeah, I'm sorry. Y'all mean do something else? I'll do something. But I know I'm in the will of the Lord. Yes, sir. I know I'm in the will of the Lord. You, you learn to serve each other. And Jesus, the principle that Jesus taught them is, you know, learn to serve one another. Be kind to one another. Embrace one another. You know, you know, going back to first go to first by first John's chapter three there. I'll read. And he he say he made a statement. I'm trying to trying to move on. I know you gotta go to lunch, I understand that. Okay. And he said, um, hereby perceive the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Wow. But whosoever has the, the world goods and sees, he said, he that has enough, and sees his brother has need, and shut up his bowels, compassion, compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? He said, my little children, let us not love in words. Somebody say it in words. words. Neither in tongue, but he said, but in what? Deed and in truth. Amen. Don't just say it with your tongue. Short indeed. Somebody say, I love my church. Love my church. Why do you love your church? And the church taught me so much. Um, I've been saved now, filled with the Holy Ghost probably about 38 years. And, you know, but the church taught me so much. You know, I came from a great family. Mom and dad was awesome people, but they wasn't saved people, you know. Um, and, um, but the church taught me how to love my family, how to be a good husband, how to raise my children. The church taught me so much of how to love and to care. It's, I have gained so much by being in the kingdom of God. True. Anything else? I've, I've learned. I value the church. Church is important. The 
church. Someone say the church. Then he said, he goes in, for God is greater than in our hearts, knowing all things. So, you know, John talks about, here's the love of God. That we love one another. That we learn to love one another. We learn to embrace one another. Even our faults. Even our, our faults and our misunderstandings. And, you know, and one thing about brothers and sisters, you know, I was talking to Sister Neil this morning. We were talking about her, her mother, her grandmother had, I thought she said seven, but 14. Fourteen kids. And I like what Brother Matt said this morning. He said there was no television around. <laughs> <laughs> and what he meant by that was... <laughs> I think we all, we all know that. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> no entertainment. <laughs> Fourteen kids. Somebody says a lot of kids. A lot of kids. And I think she says she had six sisters. Is that right? Seven sisters and seven brothers. God couldn't be no better. Oh, my God. God is fair, isn't he? He's really fair. Wow. Now, but I'll tell you, can you imagine a house full of 14 kids? Can, can you imagine a house full of 14 kids? I got three. <laughs> you got one. And she's a handful. But, but think about all the times that, you know, people didn't get along. I mean, can you imagine everybody didn't like oatmeal? Everybody didn't like the same thing. Yeah. Oh, the bow, yeah, bathroom. That's, that's a good one there. Yeah, everybody can't go to the bathroom. You know, can you imagine? But everybody didn't get along all the time. I'm sure they fought. I'm sure they had issues in their lives. But they're still brothers and sisters. You learn to overcome some things. See, when they were probably small, they fought, I'm sure. Now, I had a brother. I have two brothers and one sister. And, and there's time we got into it. Sometimes we, we fought. We really did. And Mama said, one time I hit my brother in the face one time, knocked him out, praise God. <laughs> And Mama came out there, and she, she, and she said, y'all, stop it. Say, y'all, brothers. And brothers protect brothers. Don't let nobody talk about your church. Nobody. Don't let people talk about your brothers and your sisters. And don't talk about, the, talk, talk about your church. Now, me and my wife, man, we, we, may, we may have an argument. We may have a, a, a heated discussion. <laughs> but I'm not going to allow you to talk about my wife. Right. You're not going to talk about my wife in front of my face. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that to me. That's the same way in the church. Don't let people on the outside of your church talk about your church. Or people in the church talk about your church. Seriously. I'm serious about this. You know, and, and me and my wife may have our differences at times. You know, I want, the, I want the tissue to turn in and she want to turn out. Or it could be different, you know, different colors, different things. But at the end of the day, what really matters is, is us getting along. Sometimes I got to submit to her, and sometimes she got to submit to me. Paul says, submit to one another. That's what Paul says. Submit to one another. Something's not worth going to bat over. Something's not worth fighting over. You know, you know, you know whether the carpet is blue or green, just move forward. <laughs> just walk on it like that, walk on it. <laughs> It's exactly true. Am I making sense this morning? Here's the story. The church was the greatest thing that ever happened in your life. It was the greatest thing that ever happened in your life. Seriously. seriously. Being saved is the greatest thing that ever happened in your life. Seriously. Being saved. 
the church isn't perfect. Really. Only when you get to heaven when things will be perfect in heaven. You know, understand, and sometimes we think that, you know, people say, well, I didn't know all this was going on in the church. I didn't know all this was happening. And, and it's people. Anytime you got people, you got problems. And you bring them and I bring them. And we have to understand, and we have to be mature in that. Paul t- talks about being mature as Christians. You know, over, overlooking each other's faults. You know, um, some things I mentioned to you, is not, oh, there's not, no need to go a bat over or cry over. Just move forward. Somebody say, move forward. Move forward. Some things you don't, you know, one man told me a long time, listen to this. He said, major in the majors and minor in the minors. Did you hear me? Major in the majors. The things that are priority, stick with those things. And minor in the minors. Don't make the minors major and don't make the majors minor. Did you catch that? You know, I have a church that I pastor over 450-some people, almost 500 people. In that church, there's things that I don't like. And I'm the pastor. Yeah. Some songs they sing, I say, man, what, what, can they sing a better song than that? <laughs> Some say, you know. Some songs like, I can't hardly sing. <laughs> I'm just smiling. You know? Or why did they have to do it this way? You know? And yeah, I can put my foot down on a lot of things, yeah. But even I have to understand that there's a that some things are not worth getting involved in. Some things are not worth that. It ain't worth the, one man always told me a long time ago, figure, figure out how much blood you want to spill. <laughs> Did you hear me? Am I making sense to somebody in this building? How much blood do you want to spill? One man said, if you're going to go to war, know why you're going to war. Don't die on any hill. Do you hear me? Don't die just on any hill. If you're going to go to battle, know why you're going to battle. Some things are not worth fighting over. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. <laughs> but even Jesus talked about loving one another. He talked about caring for one another. Um... He talked about all those different things. And, you know, and how do we show our love to our church? You know, number one, I mentioned to you about being present, showing up for church, being involved, being involved, serving. Here's another one, giving. Giving. Now, giving is a type of worship. It is said that 20% of the people give 80% of the money that comes to the church. Did you hear me? Because the other 80% had, had under, don't understand the power of giving. Understand that when you love something, when you value something, you give to something. Tithing is a, com- is a commandment. Someone say a commandment. Tithing is the least of faith you can have. When you tithe, you only done the minimum. You ain't done anything outlandish. You ain't done anything overboard. You've done what was required of you by God. So don't feel like when I pay my tithe, don't pay your tithe. You give your tithes. You don't pay God anything. He owns them. I say everything. When you give your tithe, that is the minimum. It is not the, the ceiling of giving. It is the floor of giving. You must graduate from tithe to being a giver. That didn't go over very well. Y'all going to run me out of Dodge here soon, won't you? And you got to understand that, is that, you know, tithing is a minimum. It's not the maximum. And, you know, tithing is a commandment of the Lord. It's 10% of our increase. It must say increase increase that God blesses us with. And 
in, in tithing is a type of faith that you want in God to work in your finances. God, God, we, we honor God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, you know, we honor him with our first fruits. We honor him by giving our tithes to the Lord. We say, God, you're master of my life. You're master, not just of my life, of my wallet. Right, right. He's master. Someone say he's master over all. And understand that. And so, so we learn that we learn to love our church by our giving. Our giving expresses our love. Because when you love something, you give toward it. For God so loved that he what? Gave. God, the Lord, demonstrated his love by what? Giving. Amen. I got five amen. amen. I'm counting them. One man said if you throw a rock in a pile of dogs, one that could hit hollers. <laughs> Only people get mad about tithing are those who do not tithe. <sighs> Y'all don't want to come to Solid Rock. I just I teach the truth. I'm not afraid of because I realize that you you'll never break out of where you are. You always may, you won't never you'll just maintain you won't go any further until you learn how to give. Giving is an expression of your value and your appreciation for something. Who car is? Is that my car? <laughs> Put somebody on blast. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, we're having a good time. I'm glad that car horn went off. <laughs> Right old time. Wasn't it? <laughs> but we show our love. Let us show our love by, by forgiving each other. One man said, Make room for people to make mistakes. Give room, sorry, give room for people to make mistakes. If you give room, for people to make mistakes, you won't be offended all the time. Do you understand that principle? Remember this. People are human. And we're full of flaws. We have this falling nature. Falling nature. That was found from the garden. And so we struggle. Somebody said we struggle. We struggle issues in our life. Every one of us, don't you tell me you don't struggle, you struggle with something. Every one of us are struggling with something in our life. And maybe everybody don't know, but God knows what it is. And some may be worse than others, difficult than others, but all I'm saying is that, that this is what the church is made. The church is made of people, imperfect people, who are trying to go to heaven. Give me a clap your hand. Thank you for, amen. Imperfect people. So when things happen, don't get bent out of shape. It's part of a human. Human. He that is spiritual. Verity and infirmity of the weak. Paul said that. He that is spiritual. Don't be weary and well doing. Do season you shall what? Reap if you faint not if you faint not be strong remind my close with this in Joshua chapter 1 the Lord commanded Joshua to be strong be very courageous See, everywhere your foot trots everywhere you go it's going to be yours the taking. Anybody believe that? Would you stand with me this morning? It's time for lunch. You hungry? You want to say yes? Somebody say, I love my church. Love my church.
I love my church. Did a series for about six weeks in my church on that. I love my church. And it really helped my church. Helped my church understand that we're not perfect people. To forgive. To move forward. Different personalities. And that's the thing about church, you know, you got all types of people. Seriously. I got all types of my church. I got people who just only come on Sunday. I don't see them any other time. I got folks coming. I have I have shift people. They don't work shift where they come to church on shifts. Really, 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 really. You know, every first and third, second and fourth. If I can get everybody there, I don't tell how many people I would have. But I don't get stressed out about it. I don't get stressed out about it. I've learned some things you don't get stressed out about, some things you just move forward. People have to mature and grow. It's like, you know, understanding. I teach my staff. I did a, a, a series this last couple of Wednesday nights with all my key leaders, and um, you know, how to how to get along with people. I teach them stuff like that, how to get along with people. You know, to me that's critical. One of the greatest arts you can ever learn is how to get along with people. Realize everybody's not like you. Everybody don't have the same personality. There's some personality. There's some A, B, and C, and D, and some Z's in here, too. Okay, personalities. Really? And you have to be key enough, understand enough how to work with your personality. This guy, like, he's more of a melancholy. You know, you know, they got you a sanguine. Now I can start walking through this engagement and kind of gauging different people. You know, once you learn a person profile, personality profile, you can work with them. I got a guy named Anthony Rose. Anthony's one of he's my trustees. He's a great a deacon in the church. He's a great guy. But nothing really moves him. He's phlegmatic. You know, he gets there when he can. You know. And I'm sure he's always faithful, but I'm saying he just nothing really fazes him. You know? And you know, he's a great guy, you know, but his personality is like that, you know. You know, and, and, and he's, he moves kind of slow. But I don't let that bother me. It's, it's part of who he is. And you learn to work with people from where they are. Right. Okay. I'm not to change people. I'm to, of course, I'm going to lift people. And I got all types of people in my church. And, and learn to work with different people. And church is made up of great people. Yeah. Somebody say, I love my church. You're going to ask yourself the question, why do you love your church? Why do you love your church? What does the church really means to you? What does it really mean to you? What is it? How do you value your church? You know, you know, through my 28, 30, 29 years of pastoring, I've just been through many storms, many storms, many storms, and uh, you know, just up and down storms. And if you've been, if you marry any time in, in any length of time, every marriage has been through some storms. And and what really makes a marriage a marriage? is when you come through the storm and you overcame the storm. Anybody can quit. Anybody can walk away from a relationship. Anybody can say, you know, I'm I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. You know? But it takes a real person to hang in there. So we're going to, I'm not going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. So we're going to work this thing out. But it is the same way in the church. I'm not going nowhere. Look at someone. Look at someone. Say, I'm not going anywhere. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. I'm, I'm right here. We're gonna work through everything. Someone said we're gonna work through it. We're gonna work through everything in the life. You know, and there are people who stood with me through thick and thin. When I started first pastoring, I was 25 years old. I I didn't know nothing. I thought I knew. I was trying to be somebody. One day I was preaching, and this lady came, old lady came up to me and said, Son, you trying to preach, ain't you? <laughs> trying to preach. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and I look back, I was trying to preach. <laughs> but I didn't get where I'm at today. You know, if it 
wasn't for those times. Thank God for those times. I've grew, I've grown, I've developed through a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, and it comes with it. With the growth comes pain. Did you hear me? With the growth comes pain. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you today. I thank you for the church. I love my church. I love my pastor. I love my pastor. I love my church. I love the people of church. I thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you for the people. I love you, God. I thank you for saving me. Thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for working in my life. God, I love you. I thank you. Help me not to love in word only, in tongue, but in deed and in truth. God, I thank you, Lord, right now. Thank you, Lord, right now. Mind moving this for me, please, sir. And um, I'm gonna give an altar call, but an altar call is gonna be right in your pew. Okay, you can see right where you are. I just feel like, you know, there's a lot of transition. There's a lot of things running through all of our minds. Okay, this is part of living because we're human all the unknowns there's a lot of unknowns a lot of things in the air anytime you lose something valuable in your life it throws you for a loop it really does Pastor Neil was our compass he really was he was was there but even if you look in the scripture you will see time after time God raises up men to take over. God raises up people. And when our history, when our job is finished, we're all going home. But God has a plan for your life today. Can you take your neighbor by the hand right now? Take your neighbor by the hand. I want you to pray for your neighbor right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for them, Lord, that I pray that for my neighbor that you would help them. God, I thank you for your encouragement, your strength. I thank you for everything. And God, I thank you. I pray for them in the name of Jesus. Give them strength. Give them courage and faith. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let us grow in your let us grow in your grace and your truth. Take us beyond the walls. Take us over the river to new territory, new dimension of growth. God is a new season. It's a new season in our lives. And God, I thank you for the new season. I thank you for what you're doing, God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Jesus' name. I feel the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Have your attention. There's a fresh anointing. Hallelujah. There's an effectual fervent door opening saith the Lord there's a new season the Lord says a season of change the wind is the season that the wind is change is blowing and God is moving and I just feel the Lord speaking right now to our hearts There's a new season beyond the horizon. There's a new open door that he is opening for us. And the Lord is saying for us to walk through this door in faith and in confidence that he controls everything. The Lord is saying, trust me. Trust me. The Lord said, trust me, and I will lead you to the greener pastures. I will lead you to the still waters, saith the Lord. 
I will lead you in the path of righteousness, saith the Lord. I'll be with you in a time of trouble, and I will hide you. I'll be a comfort to you. For I, the Lord, are doing a new thing in your life. But trust me, saith the Lord. For I'll watch it over you, and I seize everything, saith the Lord. Look to me, saith the Lord, and I will guide you. I will lead you. For I am your rock in the weary land, saith the Lord. When you begin to worship him right now, when you worship the Lord, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's a new season. It's a new day. Fresh anointing is flowing my way. It's a season of power and prosperity. It's a new season coming to me. Oh, it's a new season. It's a Book, a real good book is you know 
it's several different things. Some are conflict. Some say conflict. Resolution. And sometimes it's also, you know, different characters that play certain parts in the book that you become fall in love with. Somebody say drama. Drama. That makes a good book, doesn't it? Life is full of drama. You know what? You can write your own story. God bless you.